Also, you may know that Summer House Season 4 is coming out February 5th, and the trailer just dropped. So on Patreon.com slash Burning in Hell, I'm analyzing, overanalyzing every moment of the trailer with my friend, Bravo expert Michelle Cheech. Check it in the description, Patreon.com, if you're interested in hearing that. Do you hate your voice? I hate my voice. Oh my God, I hate my voice. Why? It's just so uh, nasally and so... So you were like, I hate my voice. I think I'm going to go be a stand-up comedian and talk at people. Yeah, I mean, I hate my voice and I wanted to subject other people to (laughs) horrible, um, my horrible voice. Welcome to Burning I want to subject all the Burning in Hell listeners to you right now because we are, this is a very special day. Today I have my boss, a very special man in my life besides my dad. He's only traumatized me a little bit, a lot less than my dad. Um, he's the showrunner of Summer House. He's a, I'm saying your credits right now. Okay, go for <laughs> he's it. He's a former stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. He's not funny anymore, but he used to be. <laughs> and... <laughs> Big time director and producer of your favorite reality TV shows. I'm about to drop a lot of stuff. Uh, Okay. Love and Hip Hop, Duck Dynasty, which is the number one show ever on television, cable ever. Cable television. Yeah. Alaskan Bush People, House Hunters, wide range of people we're talking about, Summer House, and the last season of Real Housewives of Dallas. He's also worked on Saturday Night Live. He knows Oprah, which is probably the biggest credit he has. He's been emanated for Emmys. He's been emanated. He's been emanated for Emmys. Emanated. Yes. <laughs> and he's known for discovering Cardi B. <laughs> okay, so wow. That is okay. like the rumor that goes around about you. Like, or whenever I meet someone, I'm like, oh, you know, Ian, isn't it crazy you discovered Cardi B? What's the actual story with that? Um, when you say discovered, you know, I was just in a strip club and (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I was like, I like her. No. Well, I'll tell you the true story. A lot of people take credit for this. No joke. Mm -hmm. Like at love and hip hop, a lot of people take credit like that. They were the ones or, you know, and, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, I don't want to disparage any names per se, (laughs) but give us the full names. uh, But, uh, (laughs) um, Mona Sky Young is known to be like the the person behind love and hip hop. Mm-hmm. And in many ways she is mm-hmm. absolutely, you know, all like that. But I will say, um, Vivian Gomez, who was the executive producer on the network side, mm-hmm. like how we have, uh, network execs on mm-hmm. our show. Um, Vivian really loved Cardi. Like, uh, just, she was the one who was like, I love this girl. I didn't even know who she was. And did she already had some Instagram fame? Yeah, she was okay. getting big on Instagram, but I mean, yeah, your she, average person, not yeah. necessarily. Maybe, you know, in certain uh, demographics were into her because of Instagram. Mm-hmm. And But she was coming up. Like, this is how Vivian knew her was Instagram. Like, oh, Cardi. So then she's like, oh, Ian, you got to see Cardi, whatever. She's great. We brought her in to talk to her and... Uh, after that meeting, I was like, oh, she's amazing. Like, she's gonna, you know, she'll be great. And, and How, I, well, why do you think she was amazing? Uh, well, uh, 
that show was, uh, you know, you're looking for people within the realm of hip hop mm -hmm. that uh, have a story to tell. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I hate to use the word crazy. It mm -hmm. describes a lot of things, mm -hmm. but uh, she just had like a, a huge personality, uh, someone who wouldn't let you fuck with her. She's fearless. Yeah, really, really out there, fearless and I was like, wow, she's she's got something. Um, Vivian and I got resistance from a lot of people because oh, they wow. felt that she might be too much mm -hmm. or maybe wouldn't fit in well and all. And uh, many people, even after we shot our first, uh, you know, few times with her, uh, people were like, I want to get her off the show. She's too much of a wild card. I don't know what she'll say. I don't mm. know. And I'm like, but isn't that good? Isn't that a yeah. good thing that she... Because then the knows? audience feels the same way about her. Like, what's she going to do this episode? Yeah, you're always... And even with her, personally, if you sit with her, it, you're a little off kilter. Like, mm -hmm. what? what's about to happen? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, no. Like, is she going to... She has such a natural, like, comedic talent, even in her Instagram stories. Like, you never know how it's going to end. Like, she always has a spin on it. And she's... She is unique. Is it crazy to have the power to know that with your decision and a couple other people's, but like you could really change someone's life? Yeah. All the time. I mean, look like at every show you work at. Of course. Like yeah. how I destroyed your life. It's <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> I but feel it's true. Bad. You've had a huge effect on my life. And I meet people all the time who are like, oh, Ian, help me with this. Ian, help me with that. Um, it's a lot, a lot of, what is the Spider-Man quote with great power comes great responsibility <laughs> well, are you responsible with your power um <laughs> well now you're going overboard <laughs> i don't know if i have any power but mm. um you know I, I don't know i that's a hard thing to say like i push for people that i think will be good mm -hmm. on this show that i'm about to do because it makes my job easier do you think you're you have a good sense of character like you've a, you can immediately tell like are you pretty good with your choices I'm okay with it. Mm -hmm. I, I think I overall have made good choices that have helped shows do better. Like uh, my goal is never for necessarily the individual. Mm -hmm. It's for the good of the show. Yeah. Like we're all in the show together. So uh, when presented with options, which I'm not always presented with, but when presented, I think who will be best to make this show a great entertainment and where people want to watch and are excited and stuff like that. So that's what I try to, who, who would I want to watch? Yeah. Oh, this person is cool. Oh, they have this or that. And uh, that's what I pick. And then a lot of times it's worked out, but mm -hmm. it's really luck of the draw. All of these things. Are, oh yeah, you're dealing with humans and humans are, you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> it's humans true. are crazy and there's so many variables to these shows. Do you find that at this point in the industry, you're making so many decisions that are just based on your intuition? Are you good at listening to your intuition? I guess that's all I have is, you know, just uh, I don't know if I call it intuition because also half the time I, you know, think I'm about to die of a heart attack or <laughs> like and then my intuitions are overall a little bit of an anxious individual. <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, I worry a lot. Mm -hmm. I just worry a lot. I, I want every uh, I'm sure you're this way, too. I mm -hmm. want everything I do to be great. Yeah. And so I just worry it won't be. Uh, and. I, I feel like you're always over your head, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Some people approach this job and the things I do mm -hmm. with lots of um, 
confidence and mm-hmm. they're so sure of themselves. And I'm always jealous of those people. Like, how are you so sure of yourself? Like, none of this is sure. Like, mm-hmm. you can't be. There's no way to be sure, but yes. I guess they're really good at faking it. I guess, or or it's a way of hiding the insecurity, and a way, which is faking it. But um, uh, yeah, I just lean into it. Yeah. it. It helps me. I just lean it like, Ugh, what do I know? But also what I love about you as a boss is when why I wanted you on the podcast is I've had so many shitty egotistical bosses. And I think because you don't go in with your ego and being like, OK, team, you know, we're about to I'm the king and this is what we're going to do because everything I say is right. You are not like that at all. And I feel like you're about bringing out the best in people. Were you always a leader like that? Um. First, I want to correct something. She mm-hmm. said the reason she wanted me on the podcast. I, I forced her to put me on the podcast. No, so. I always wanted you, but we were like kind of playing a game with each other. It's like, do you want me on? I'm like, yeah, I do. But I wasn't going to be like, hey, cancel all your important meetings with networks and come on my podcast. Well, you know what? When you started it, I was like, oh, I'm going to help her out. And then your podcast took off. And I'm like, wait a second. I want to be on this thing. Like, <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate um, that. I want to do a little bit of celebrity gossip because um that's why i brought you here oh okay you're best friends with 50 cent <laughs> um how'd you guys meet uh okay i wouldn't say best friends <laughs> but um but uh i love him by the way like i grew up with 50 cent every single birthday everyone when we were like 10 11 12 13 we just play you know in the club he's um so uh, there, okay, so here's an example of being nice to everybody mm-hmm. on your crew and what happens. So there was a guy who was PA for me named uh, Chris. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so uh, Chris Conrad, mm-hmm. great guy, I love him. Mm-hmm. He would PA all the time with uh, another guy named Harry, mm-hmm. uh, Harry Watson, and they PA'd on a lot of promos I would do for MTV and commercials and things uh, at the the time I would also do crew work sometimes like when writing work wasn't coming or I was in so I'd do some sound here or there like you know when you have kids you do whatever but it's also great to know so many different facets of your job sure absolutely um and you also know what it's like to be on the crew and on the crew side and you know sitting there judging everyone you're Mm -hmm. shooting but uh (laughs) but those two guys were super sweet guys and I would always uh, like you know if I could get them work I would like just and you know, just trying to be nice to everybody. Karma's going around. Yes, and uh, Chris. It turns out Chris was very close with Fifty. Mm-hmm. So at the time, I had a Stephen King movie I was trying to make, mm-hmm. um, and I was and Fifty had an overall at Lionsgate. I think it was. Uh, he had like a twenty picture deal at Lionsgate. Wow. And I also was uh, working with a tequila company called Luna Nueva, like mm-hmm. a friend of mine approached, oh, we have this tequila company, would you help us maybe get someone? So I was talking to Chris, and Chris is like, these are the types of things I want to bring 50, mm-hmm. like to show my value to him. Cool. And we grew up, so Chris's older brother was with 50 in the hood doing mm-hmm. whatever they did in mm-hmm. those days. And they're, they're super close. Tutoring. Yes. <laughs> After Lemonade <school>. stands. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so, um, so Chris set it up and I went in and met with uh, my partners on both projects Mm -hmm. and we went to this house and, uh, he, he sent a, um, Bentley with a driver and we went up and up Doheny into the hills, Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, 
we went to his house and we pitched him the ideas. Ultimately, he never attached himself to either of those. Mm-hmm. But uh, we got along okay there. And then I would see him from time to time. And I'd be like, oh, I'm Chris's friend. You know, and we would. Was he different than what you thought he'd be like? Um, wow. You know, I don't really have expectations of people like in general. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, yeah, within reason. Yeah, basically. Uh, Was he just like doing pull-ups when you walked in? <laughs> no, no. Uh, but he's he's a really smart guy, um, and uh, he knows how to charm when mm-hmm. you want when he wants to be well, charming. Well, his personality and like charisma is incredible. Yeah, when he smiles, like he lights up a room. He mm-hmm. knows how to hold attention of people. But he'll also be an introvert a lot and step back. And then uh, basically he had a show 50 Central, which mm-hmm. I did, and that came up and he remembered me and he heard, he always heard good things and this and that. And together we ended up working on that show. And uh, every show I'm on, as you hear my voice, mm-hmm. I was just saying how I hate my voice. Uh, everybody does impressions of me. I'm sure also the cast of Summer House. No? I, I did it like the f- second weekend I was doing impression of you. And they were like, he can hear you. And I was like, oh, my God, he can hear me. And then I was like, oh, my God, he's going to hate me. But I have that, like, comedy brain where I'm just, and I'm like, he'll, he'll get it. He gets it. I'm just like, it was a pretty good impression at the time. I don't know. And they were like, oh, Ian's going to hate you. And then I, like, saw you the next day, and you were nice to me. I'm like, okay, I don't think he either. And I'm like, he's not listening to us at 2 a.m. fucking around making impressions of people. <laughs> well, I'll say this. Um, I love I love that people do it. I never think it's uh, with malice. Mm-hmm. I always feel well, like you just it's... have a particular like voice and a particular way about you. So my favorite is Fifty does an impression yeah, of me, so and when funny. he does it, I just feel like wow, Fifty Cent is doing an impression <laughs> of me, and he does it physically too. Like I'm always talking, like, and he'll come to me like, oh, what should I, you know? And, uh, that's one also, of my favorite things. Also, now he's things. in the Bravo sphere because he's always fighting with. Lala Kent and this and pissed Randall. me off and I told them this pissed me off because their ratings went up because yeah. of this and yeah. I'm like why don't you pick a fight with someone on my show <laughs> can <laughs> like, I fight with 50 help cents? my ratings <laughs> instead you're helping fucking because it brings them to like a new level of celebrity when you're fighting with 50 cent Fuck i'm it. from brooklyn like i have some street cred i could start some shit with him you could tell Fuck me some like Fafty would tell go me his for biggest you. pet peeve oh <laughs> oh i mean he... chewing with your mouth open okay i'm gonna find him chew with my mouth open in front of him uh he just hates when people try to get over like oh. like that's his biggest thing is someone tries to get over and like Explain try to get over. That means like using him. Yeah, like using his name or using like uh, like if I went somewhere and I was like, you know, Fifty says that this will be like. People must do that all the time because like I'm on Summer House. I am a minuscule celebrity compared to him, and like people already, my people who don't even know me will be like, oh, I'm friends with Hannah. Like, can I get this? And like all the and people don't know me and brands will be like, hey, this person said they're friends with you. I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> so I can't imagine the times a million shit that he has to deal with. I got in trouble with him because <laughs> for the so you fought with Fofty too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't fight, but uh, his his rep, whatever his. He has, uh, like, his lawyer, who's yeah. sort of like his manager, but his lawyer yeah. 
great guy, Steve Savas, is a really awesome dude. Mm-hmm. Um, after what, my first season on Summer House, uh, Lindsay knew his PR person or oh, something, yeah. and and he was going to be in the Hamptons, uh-huh. and she wanted to try to arrange something where they do something with Fifty yeah. just for promotional That's purposes. That's her PR brain, yeah. yeah. And um, she reached out and wrote a whole and and used my name and this and, and then his and then Steve calls me like, "What the fuck are you doing? Like, are you trying to get?" And that's his biggest pet peeve is yeah. if I were to try to use him yeah. without talking it or something. And uh, yeah, I had to <laughs> be like, I had no idea this was happening, you know. Please, but uh, oh, I want to start beef with fifties, but I love fifty. I wouldn't ever want to be mad at me, and he'd blow up my spot on Instagram. I see how petty he gets. Yes. Um. You also, you know, J Lo. You know, Oprah. You know, Mariah. Who's like a favorite celebrity of yours that you've met? Who's like refreshingly nice and cool, or who's a monster? <laughs> well, uh, so for years I worked for for uh, MTV. Uh-huh. So you meet everybody, yeah. like you know, doing these promos or interviews. So, uh, uh, like, uh, unsurprisingly, mm-hmm. uh, Ringo Starr, nicest guy in the Aww. world, just and he was a hero of mine. Yeah, and I worked with him very early in my career in production. And I remember the night before I couldn't sleep, like, oh, my God, I'm meeting Ringo fucking star. And and then we ended up working a few times together. And he's the type of guy remembers your name. He's a fucking beetle. That's and he insane. like, you know, and he introduces himself to everybody. I love that. Like, just I love that. No ego, no pretense. And same with Paul McCartney met mm-hmm. him. And so those are those guys. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um Worked with Mariah Carey a bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she is, has a reputation for being a diva. She's a little bit di- different than mm-hmm. the Beatles mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, one of the first times I worked with her, um, I was at Sony Music Studios. It's no longer there on 54th and 10th. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't be in the hallway when she walked down the hallway. Like you weren't allowed to be in the hallway. And that was more Tommy Mottola, her, mm-hmm. her ex, who was very... Uh, didn't like her talking to anyone and this Sounds and that. Sounds healthy. Um, but uh, yeah, she's. Uh, Were you the one that told me about J Lo? That like, if anyone wanted to talk to her, they she had to they had to give her two compliments and then ask the question. No, I I don't know J Lo like that. Yeah. Like I've worked I worked on one or two things with her, but yeah. never really in her vicinity, really with her. Yeah. So I don't know her like that. Mariah, I worked with a bunch. She was all over MTV. I mean, yeah. you know, whatever back in the day. And uh, but she loves you, doesn't she? Uh, yeah. I mean, she I likes you. I think uh, if you said my name, I don't think she would put it together. But if she yeah. saw me, I think she'd be like, uh, yeah. "Hey, how are you?" Like she she. Uh, so this uh, concept of celebrity fascinates me by like how it can affect people because your world is different and you interact with people in different ways and it could like why do you think it change it really affects people in such different ways being a celebrity yeah like uh, oh i mean is it just because some people are assholes and some aren't no i just think you know 
when you're a celebrity, everyone, and I told you this, and I remember you and myself and you and Paige were mm -hmm. talking, and you're never friends with celebrities per mm -hmm. se, unless you knew them before. Mm -hmm. Once they're celebrities, everybody wants something from yep. them. So your relationship is more transactional. Yep. And if someone likes you and you know whoever they are, they're famous, but, but you get along and you're friends, are you really friends? Yeah, you'll hang out and stuff, but there's more of like, uh, we're both on a similar it's a plane status thing. and we can help each other. And one day, even if it's not today, we'll do a show. Yeah, even we'll if you meet someone who isn't of your status, when you're that big of a celebrity and you get along, you still can't help but be insecure that the person is going to try to like use you in some capacity. So, but then that's why dating is also really hard when you get that famous. Like, sure. If you can't even trust your friends, how do you trust like someone trying to be like your partner in life? Well, you know, it's funny because so I, I, I never know, like when I coming up mm -hmm. as I was coming up, not everybody liked me. Not mm -hmm. everyone was nice to me. Mm -hmm. Like there were people who didn't like me and that's fine. Like you meet all different types of people. Maybe I wasn't uh, forceful enough for some people and they didn't like that or they felt I was this or whatever. Mm -hmm. Now I'm a showrunner. Nobody is mean to me. Like nobody's mean to me. So it can't be that all of a sudden I'm so lovable yep. that everybody's nice to me. And I try to be nice to everyone. Yeah. But it, you it, haven't it, like changed in some crazy way. Right. I'm not like, oh, uh, go, moving up the ladder, mm -hmm. you know, successfully. Mm -hmm. Now I'm a much better person mm -hmm. and all like that. I was talking to my mom last night at dinner and I was like, the biggest thing that's changed with me is that like people want to be my friend. <laughs> like before I wasn't like that good at making friends and I'm always, I've been like slightly different. So like I would hit it off with some people, but I wasn't like good friends. I didn't have like, big friend groups. And now like I'll meet people and they're immediately like interested in me where before like you meet people and they're like, okay, cool. And they're on to the next thing. And I'm like, mom, it's so weird. Everyone wants to be my friend, but I'm not that good at friends. <laughs> like I don't really know how to deal with a lot of friends. I don't really want to deal with a lot of friends. And I was like, do you deal with that as like a principal of a middle of like one of the top middle schools in Brooklyn? And she's like, yeah, except people don't want to be my friend. They're they more just want to get on my good side, like the parents. So like, I'm not even making like friendships. <laughs> right. So it is, you see, it's a clear pattern. Like when I go into a bar and I'm and at someone's random birthday where normally I'd be like, shoot, no one's talking to me. This is so awkward. I have to find someone to talk to. Instead, it's like people talking to you and you're like, why do you want to talk to me? I'm not that much better than I was a year ago. But even this podcast, yeah. you just asked me about famous people. Yeah. Like you just asked what what are they really like? Yeah. What are like <laughs> like there's a there's a thing. People wanna be like like I don't go into places and go fifty cents my best friend. Yeah. I don't do that. That's yeah. like silly, but you hear people like, you know, Hannah from Summerhouse, I just hung out with her last night. Mm -hmm. What what does that have to do with anything in your life? Mm -hmm. Nothing, mm -hmm. but they want to be attached to Summerhouse in some way. Like there's something about There's something fame. bigger. Going right. On. Yeah. So it's, it is so fascinating. It's very fascinating to me. One of my best friends, mm -hmm. I said, no one's mean to me at work. Like everyone's <laughs> nice and I, and I don't Especially like. Especially someone who grew up being bullied. <laughs> I don't like the idea that maybe 
maybe someone's not being authentic with me. Mm-hmm. And, get, and my friend said, is everyone nice to you? And I said, yes. He goes, well, I appreciate that because nobody gets that in life where mm-hmm. everyone's nice to them at work. Mm-hmm. You should just appreciate that you're in a position where everyone's nice to you and who cares if they mean it or not. Yeah. And so then I start thinking like, those very famous people who marry like the 24 year old girl that obviously either wants the fame or the money Mm -hmm. or something like Mm -hmm. that. They must know that they're not like fooling themselves, but they're like, okay, it's transactional. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean. As things get bigger, all of those things are transactional and you decide like, okay, I'll, I'll make this. And also when you get that big, you've made conscious decisions transactionally for yourself because you want that success. Like you want that career. You want, you're addicted to whatever reason for the attention or for the fame or for the money. But I'm going to marry Tom Cruise. We're mm -hmm. going to set this up, his PR and my PR. Mm -hmm. We're going to go on a date and they'll see us on whatever. Mm -hmm. And then that's going to help my career. Or yeah, they have an album dropping coming out soon. So they break, they get a divorce and then you see the PR publicity. Were you naturally a good leader growing up or did you just like have good mentors growing up? Because leadership is a very unique quality to have. You know, this is what I'll say. Uh, Growing up, I was really a wimpy kid Mm -hmm. and like a mama's boy and very... um, I, I was picked on. Mm-hmm. I was bullied, you know, mm-hmm. not not horribly. I don't want to compare myself with these people like, you know, someone's transgender and getting mm-hmm. bullied. Nothing like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, you go to school and people would bully me. I yeah. was small for my age. And I think from that, there are two ways you can go. You can get a hard shell and like, fuck everybody. I mm-hmm. Or you get really empathetic. And empathy to me is the key in any leadership role. If you have empathy and people feel understood... Uh, they'll give you everything that they have. Like, you know, you so you get to support them. You understand where they're coming from. And when they feel understood, they'll, they'll That's give That's so powerful and wise. <laughs> Very wise. This is why I got you on the podcast. We have a real adult here today. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll say the two biggest qualities, I think, for show running or even in life are... Mm-hmm. Um, are empathy and patience mm-hmm. that 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 can give patience you patience is hard though especially our generation that's all about instant gratification like right now i could check my phone and immediately have emails i can respond to and notifications and text someone that i want to hear back in two seconds everything is so quick well i i you're right but i i think the patience i'm talking about is uh interpersonal mm. like sitting with someone who's talking to you having patience with their issues that they want to express, having empathy and then patience to listen and let them get it out. Because you also have work to do as a showrunner yeah. or or even if you're on the show where it's like, uh, okay, I hear you. Let's get back to work. But without the patience of, you know what, I'm going to give this person 10 more minutes so that they feel heard and yeah. listened to. And, and I know exactly where they're coming from. Those, those, that extra time and that extra patience and empathy and positivity will help them for much more than the 10 minutes it took you to give them that extra time. A hundred percent. I also think there's a lot of leaders that like to instill fear, which is like a, like in sports, it is a coaching technique. Um, I never responded well to that because I'm 
have enough fear going on myself that I don't need other people doing it. But I feel like with you, you're one of the first bosses that I wasn't trying to like scare people around him. Like a lot of bosses are like, when you're talking to them, you're like, oh, they're thinking of something else. They don't want me to be here. And the next thing you know, you forget what you're saying. And then you're like, I'm just going to go fuck myself. But with you, it was after filming and we had like a dinner. And then I for some reason like we were driving somewhere and you have like your nice car and I was like oh my god I'm in the show I'm with the showrunner what do I say and it was just such a like relaxed cool interaction and I forgot you were my boss and there was a beautifulness about it I think it takes confidence in yourself to be able to be like I'm not gonna you know big time this person I'm gonna empathize and make them feel comfortable yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. Do I come across scary? Well, I like think you, at first, with you, people don't understand. Like you're a big, big wig in the industry. You could scare everyone if you wanted to. I think you should do that for Halloween. Just like call all your employees and well, you have tried to fire me before as a prank, which was not funny. Um, well, well, to tell that story. Yeah. It's uh, I got her really good, but this is uh, we'll get back to that. Basically, uh, my style, I I kind of uh, put together my own thing that works for me, mm-hmm. and it came from mostly looking at bosses I had and deciding what not to do. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, I'll never do that when I'm in charge. Or, oh, I'll never do that when I'm in charge. And not to quote the Bible, I'm mm-hmm. not religious at all, mm-hmm. but do unto others as you would want, you know. And, and working reality TV is really just like a big psych ward. Of, <laughs> I mean, and this I feel like every job is a big psych ward, but it's more like you really have to understand people and why they are the way they are especially to make a good show but then also to lead people it's like if you don't listen you won't even understand what you're dealing with and I feel like a lot of some bosses don't listen yeah I think uh the I think being self-aware is also really important yeah. I'm always scared I'm Michael Scott like, that's my <laughs> worst fear in the world like you know like I'll pick up a guitar and start playing and then I'm like oh my god I'm Michael Scott <laughs> you did pick up a guitar once <laughs> And I'm just like, that's my way. And I can't, I'll ask people around me, like close produ- producer friends, are my, my, are my Michael Scott, are my like a loser who thinks everyone likes him? And they're all like, um, but uh, whatever, that's, that's my fear. But uh, when I was coming up, I felt there were, with like the bosses I had were either withholding, mm-hmm. which works for a little while. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I want to impress them. Like, I can't get that approval, yeah. and I want that approval, and yeah. I'm just gonna like it takes so much to even get eye contact with them, and then you get nervous. <laughs> but then uh, eventually, you give up if they if you can oh, never yeah. get approval. You're like, well, fuck it. What the hell am I doing? Mm. So that that can work in the short term, but it won't work in the long term. And then there are people who are, you know, uh, gruff and you want to be on your P's and Q's because mm-hmm. you don't want them to, to snap. But you always feel like it's like an abusive relationship. Like you always feel like, fuck, any minute. I Like you're, you're unsettled. You're walking on eggshells. Yes. And, and that's especially in a creative field. When I'm my best is when I feel like I could throw anything at the wall and then I'll have other people give me creative, like constructive criticism. Absolutely. I, the one thing I tell my whole 
team mm-hmm. of producers and is like it's okay to fail yeah like everyone fails like baseball players fail more than they succeed oh, like yeah. they bat 300 out of a thousand like yeah but that's considered awesome i like, love that sports metaphor <laughs> <laughs> so i love the idea like permission to fail uh, helps you do your best work. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if, if things go wrong, we'll deal with it in the moment and figure it out. So you have a lot of staff, I call them staff, but a lot of staff that love you. How do you make sure that you're not like too buddy-buddy with them? Um, I don't know. I, it's, you know, this is, I'll tell you, this is, uh, I think the, the problem with the way that I uh, show run mm-hmm. is that I do get close. Yeah. Like it becomes like a family. Mm-hmm. I care about everybody you do. that I work with. I love them all. And boy, they get on my nerves. Mm-hmm. Like, like It's like a family. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I love them, but at times it's like, ugh. So my whole you know everyone's tendencies in the long hours you're like yep this guy's gonna start getting annoying if he doesn't stop for lunch <laughs> right now <laughs> yeah it's um i always had this uh idea as i was moving up the ranks like oh once i'm director then i'll have more creative power mm-hmm. oh once i'm showrunner and it's true, you get more uh, input on the creative, mm-hmm. but you also get 10 times more responsibility in management. Oh, yeah. And so now it's like I get to kind of guide things creatively, but I have... But you can't successfully be creative if you're not managing the team right. Correct. Yeah. And this is also a problem a lot of showrunners have mm-hmm. where... And I, this is what I get the most. Like, this is what I understand the most. Mm-hmm. Showrunners who don't interact with their producers mm-hmm. in a positive way because they get so frustrated. Like, we're at work. Just do the work. Like, why do I need to know your personal mm. emotional problems that are going on at work or outside? Like, oh, he said this or but leading that way, you don't get the best of your people. It's that reminds me because my mom's a principal of a middle school. So she deals with like the parents and the teachers and the kids. And a lot of the times the issues with the kids is stuff with maybe their parents at home or stuff that happened online on Instagram the night before but you can't ignore that stuff because it's affecting how the kid is performing in school so it's it's a tough interpersonal slash like professional gig for people who are listening can you just define what the roles of a showrunner is um because I actually didn't know when I started I was like what's a showrunner I mean you're just responsible you're responsible to deliver the show like Mm -hmm. so the production company hires you Mm -hmm. and makes and you're you know you have to make sure you're getting the best possible version of the show that you can get Mm -hmm. like I mean you do your best you're Mm -hmm. you're never gonna you know get the best version and you're never gonna get the worst version you're gonna get somewhere but you push for the best version and that includes managing the whole team and that's everybody from PAs up to your Mm co-EP your co-executive producer Mm -hmm. and managing upwards the network and their uh 
what they won and their expectations and the production company because they want this show to be successful. So you're managing all these people. Mm -hmm. And uh, I believe managing every single person is important. Like even the PA, I'll spend time with PAs and saying even the PA is even a horrible thing to say. Mm -hmm. We all make the show. Mm -hmm. So PAs, uh, I'll interact with. Like their show And this industry, you don't know, in six years that PA could be like an incredible, you know, writer of some film and is like, Ian, I have a winner for you. And <laughs> sure. I want Ian to be the showrunner of it or director of it. Yeah, I uh, I don't approach it because of that. I don't think about that because mm-hmm. by the time that kid makes it, I'll be dead probably <laughs> because I'm old now. But, um, but I think about just what would I, when I was a PA, sure. I love the director who would come over and talk to me or the showrunner who didn't, make any type of like difference between oh, yeah. me or them and I mean they, with great power you you can <laughs> I love sorry I'm clearly power hungry no but with great power it's you have the power to make someone's day like you can like say one thing and be like you and you don't have to but you see that PA like on the grind it's raining outside they're running around you they think you don't notice and then pull them aside and be like hey I really appreciate the hard work that can really just put a fire behind them to just also, one toxic PA can fuck up a lot of things. Sure. <laughs> but I'll say not only uh, the appreciation, but yeah. actually like a real moment mm-hmm. of who are you? What what do you do? What's mm. your, where are you from? Like having a real conversation, just, not just like, hey, I love the way you mopped up True. the floor. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're like, really quick at coffee. Uh, You're but, really quick. <laughs> right. Like, but to acknowledge them as a human being. Yeah makes them feel like oh like it's not just I'm not just some worker bee I, I, like who I am matters and, and I used to think like my dad would always bitch about why the Knicks were so bad and he would he was bl- always blaming the coach and I'm like how much does the coach really matter like it's five guys out on the court like LeBron coaches himself how much does it really matter but it's this like overall aura that's over the team that's really important and I think if if you have a positive aura it goes all the way down to the PAs and if someone wanted to get be like I want to be a showrunner one day what is like what are the is steps that, was that what they sound I like <laughs> that's how PAs talk I've never talked to a PA but but even on Summer House you see at the sorry to interrupt oh, no. but at the very end our last day mm-hmm. I always that's my favorite I day. always talk, uh, I bring the whole crew in, everybody who works on this show, be- and I talk about each one individually. And you remember everyone's names. Sure, but you is- remember everyone. I mean, basically, when you're at a workplace, yeah. and you'll remember everyone's yeah. names. It's hard because we don't hear you guys talking to each other, so we don't, some of like the video guys, I've just never heard, any- they don't talk. So right. You're not interacting with a lot exactly, of them because exactly. that's not there. There needs to be that wall. My so favorite can... part about that day. Yes, true. Because <laughs> then I'd start just like having side comments. My favorite part about that day is when it's like, hey, the cast can just sit down for a second and appreciate all the people who are making the show. But the cast members are always so loud and like love attention that they can't help but get involved. And I'm like, can we just shut up for 10 minutes? Ten minutes. <laughs> well, that's why they're on the show. <laughs> they, uh, but they, but they want to participate also in a good way. Yeah, you know. And, oh, 100%. and let them know. I mean, and I, I love that. I I love that 
part of it and I love doing that so everyone knows this isn't just about you or mm -hmm. or you know not you specifically mm -hmm. but each individual this is a bigger thing we're in exactly what are what are the steps to becoming a showrunner or for you what were the steps uh, I, I say that my steps were unorthodox. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people, they work their way up from PA or, you know, and mm -hmm. then they produce or then, and they get to showrunner eventually. Mm -hmm. um, I started as a stand-up comic, as mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and then started writing for television. And I always thought that would be my journey, like scripted and then direct features or something. And then I got into directing promos for MTV. I would do a lot of promos with, uh, you know, VMA promo, whatever and they are. you had, are. like, a sense of humor with it. To yes, make it fun. they were all comedy. Most of them, 90% were comedy-driven mm -hmm. uh, promos with big celebrities. Like, oh, we have, you know, whoever, Jim Jones, mm -hmm. when he's releasing an album. And we fly high. <laughs> I love that song, Brooklyn. Yeah, he's yeah. balling. Balling. <laughs> um, but, uh... <laughs> Anyway, uh, so I uh, so I did that and I loved it. I would write and direct and then work with the editor mm -hmm. and, and put together these promos. I worked with a lot of great play people and, and would travel. I really loved it. I was doing some commercial work also, like, you know, Google commercial or whatever. And uh, I just thought, okay, this is, I just kind of followed the journey. Mm -hmm. And then one day, a friend of mine, Michael Swanhouse is his name. He was show running American Pickers. Mm -hmm. And he called me up and he's like, I need someone to go in the field, like, the, like make it better. Like, uh, not creatively, mm -hmm. also, sure, creatively, if mm -hmm. you can, but just it was not, it was a little bit rocky. Like, the crew wasn't always happy, mm -hmm. and the two guys on the show didn't always uh, get along. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, oh, you're good with people, and you've been directing a lot, and, like, would you go out and do that? And I was like, sure, okay. And I went out, and it went very well. I changed the process of how we would make it in the field. Mm -hmm. And um, and did you enjoy it? Yeah, sure. It's I love challenges. Mm -hmm. I move a lot from show to show because mm -hmm. like, okay, I've done that already. Yeah. Like I've done Love and Hip Hop You don't like now. feeling stagnant. Yes. I want a new challenge, something else that presents itself. So it was a challenge. And then I did, I did like 30 episodes of that show mm -hmm. and it was running really smooth. And then, uh, and then I just started getting calls at the time. It was like the number two show on all the cable while wow. I was doing it. And, uh, so then when you're doing that, then people start calling, Hey, would you do this? But every time I was doing commercials and promos where you get paid more. Yeah. So I was like, well, can you pay me more? Can you pay me more? Good for you. Ask for that money. Always. That money. Yes. Always ask for the money <laughs> for sure. Uh, what's the worst they say is no. Mm -hmm. And then you can also say, well, then I'm not doing it, which is. It also shows that you believe your value. Yes. Um, well, that's one of your seven deadly sins. Oh, yeah. We'll get pride. to it. We'll get <laughs> but, to um, it. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Why did you quit stand up? Oh, uh, you know, to say quit is an interesting way to put it. I was uh, doing stand up. Yeah. And then I started writing for Comedy Central and still doing stand up. Mm -hmm. And then my wife got pregnant. And um, I love how I said that my wife got pregnant. Blame, blame the woman. Yeah, nothing to do with me. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. Um, we got pregnant. <laughs> yes. 
Um, <laughs> and uh, were you so, making money on stand up? Yeah, uh, yeah, I would make mm-hmm. money—not that Hannah Burner money, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I, you know, I would go on the road. Yeah. You make a couple of grand on a week on the mm-hmm. road as a headliner, mm-hmm. or you'd be a feature act. Like not tons. Mm-hmm. I wasn't. Like, but you were making a living. Yeah, like fifty grand, mm-hmm. sixty grand a year. Like mm-hmm. you know, and back then I'm old. I was so, about to say yeah, back in the yeah, day. <laughs> back then that was like a million dollars. No, it was. So it sounds like you had other opportunities, but did you did you miss stand up when you started doing that like those projects on shows or writing jobs yeah for sure i stand ups get addicted to that like late night oh my god that high when you get off stage Mm -hmm. even on a bad set but mostly on good sets Mm -hmm. but uh, But you're still like in the weeds you know you're still like in the the war zone whether you're high or low you still feel like you're alive yes it's very i i mean i i still love it and every once in a while i'll do something but Mm -hmm. um Ian and I have a big show coming up soon. We're plotting it. (laughs) (laughs) My wife, uh, my wife was pregnant. Mm -hmm. We were pregnant. However, we want to say that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so when I, I just, she needed more help and it hurts you to go out at night and then be up in the morning writing for Comedy Central and then going to to help your wife and then going back to, so something has to give and Mm -hmm. then you have kids and then you, you know, kids ruin everything. And, uh, (laughs) and, um, yeah, I mean, it was a choice that, and, and don't get me wrong. A lot of standups can have kids and still do stand, you know, I was burning the candle at both Mm -hmm. ends. And and, a lot of people just need to make that decision. Like, do you want to prioritize your marriage? Do you want to prioritize your career? And a lot of relationships don't work out sometimes when someone has such a, like, different type of career. I, I was thinking, like, when you did Alaskan Bush People, you're in Bumblefuck, Alaska. Yes. In Who the most knows? beautiful, positive way. It's gorgeous out there. Um, <laughs> I have a lot of Alaskan fans, you know. <laughs> the mom. But you go there for, what, like, three months? More. I, I think I was there five five well, months. And it's number one, you're bringing in the dough, number one cable television show. How does that affect your marriage? Um, so uh, my my wife... Did you FaceTime her with bears all the time? <laughs> my, uh, um, what's the other, the, the, the gay term, bears? And what's the <laughs> other one? <laughs> Bulls? Or I forget, bears. But bears or, is one of them. It's all, we're, yeah. we're the wrong, we don't know. <laughs> Um, right. Oh, Twinks? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I had a FaceTime with bears and Twinks all the time. Um, no, I think, um, yeah, so by that point in, in my marriage, like there was, uh, there's an understanding, like originally when my wife and I, we got married very young and we were very needy, mm. like very, like we were young and, and really wanted a relationship and as I got older and more mature, I saw the folly of that How young way were of you? thinking. We, I met her when I was uh, 22, 21, mm-hmm. 22, mm-hmm. and we got married. I was 25. Yeah, you know? that's my parents. They're married at 24, 25. It's kind of like. 
maybe a little generational too. Yeah, it's somewhat general. We also both grew up uh, very religious Jewish, and mm-hmm. that's like you get married young because yeah. you can't have premarital sex. Yeah. Not that that really happens. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, in theory, in theory. Right? Um, but um, yeah, so we were so indoctrinated in that 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 was our path. It was mm-hmm. going to happen. Yeah. And uh, sometimes looking back, I'm like, oh, if I could do it again, I wouldn't get married and I'd just stick to stand up and I'd go do... But these are all... I, I love my wife. We've been together 26 years. Uh, I love... My kids are great kids, you know? And But uh, you're able to function without, like seeing each other for a bunch of months oh sure it helps uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like a fun little yeah make the heart grow fonder distance do you do you think it's because she has a she's a specific personality type or you guys are just like strong in that way uh no she hated it at first i mean yeah. like i'd be on pickers and she'd be like this isn't a marriage you're not home yeah. like what's going on yeah. like you know and we'd have these discussions and i'm like you like your Audi, right? And you <laughs> like the you like those things, those nicer your house and there's sacrifice um, that comes with it. Right. So it's like there are people who are in the army and go to Iraq for two years straight that don't get to see and they might die. Mm-hmm. Like they could get shot. You could have gotten eaten by a bear. That's true. Well, I was very close. That's uh, <laughs> I was very close to a bear. Uh, then you threw a PA in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> I spent a little time with them first. Hey, who are you? <laughs> go go take care of them. Oh, I think a bear would like this one. By the time I was doing Alaskan, but we, and don't get me wrong, even now, like doing uh, Real Housewives of Dallas, Mm -hmm. there was a day, like I get the, I get a call, Mm -hmm. like we talk every night, Mm -hmm. me and my wife, and then I get a call, like, what is this? This is ridiculous, you Mm -hmm. know? So there are still those moments. But it's great that she cares. Yeah, sure. I I mean, more than me, obviously. She could be like busy with the pool boy, so. (laughs) Do you have, do you have any, (laughs) just, you know, putting that in your head just in case. Yeah. So 26 years of marriage. I don't know if I've had anyone on this podcast with 26 years of marriage. Do you have any advice for making a relationship work? Um, That fucking long. I've only been with a guy for three years. Let me say this. And I got bored with him after one year. Sorry, continue. Um... Uh, okay. So making a relationship work is the main thing is both people wanting it to work. That's really the main thing. Um, I've uh, like, I don't believe in the meant to be idea. Mm. Like there's one person for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I, I believe I could have been a good husband to a lot of women and my wife could have been a good wife to uh, a bunch of men, you know, like, um, Uh, you know, I do well, I'm a nice guy, like, sure, I have my quirks, but overall, um, but if you both decide you're in it together, and you're gonna make it work, you make it work. Now, some people are not compatible, and yeah, and it's just lustful, and then when Mm -hmm. that ends, it's like, we have nothing. Um, How'd you know it wasn't lustful in the beginning? I mean, like when well, you were... I was 20 something, it was all lustful and I had like no clue. You don't clue. really know. Yeah, you have no clue. And I just was like, and there are times in our relationship where I say like, eh, is this right? But like, she's my best friend. We grew up together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We she really... She understands you. She sees you. Yeah. And there's no, she doesn't judge me at all. Like I have my quirks. I do. And, mm-hmm. uh, 
she's fine with it and mm -hmm. she's you know we've accepted and there are things about her that drive me crazy not mm -hmm. not in a good also in a good way mm -hmm. but that drive me like oh how come she always does this or mm -hmm. always does that you know and you're and then you're like i need to book somewhere in alaska <laughs> exactly and then you're like oh i miss her <laughs> just think about how your parents relationship might be better if your dad would go away mm -hmm. every couple of years for six months here or five months there you know and then but um anyway not to get my parents are really codependent like they just they lo they love just hanging out all the time they like they're not that social like they just after a long day they eat dinner together they watch the next game and it's very simple and that's just what they love to do do they talk a lot they do they're each other's best friends but they're still like flirty it's really weird and annoying um but i think yeah they're weird but yeah they both there's so many imperfections and there's but the way their imperfections um collaborate with each other is is still funny the way it intertwines yeah like my yeah. mom will just make fun of my dad for th things that other women might be like you're an idiot right, right. <laughs> but she knows how to like laugh it off and it's it's true it's really about finding the imperfections i liked my one of my early viral tweets was you have to find someone whose parents fuck them up in a compatible way to how your parents fucked you up so that's what i'm looking for <laughs> sure. um i want to get a, a slightly deeper into you um sorry that sounded really weird <laughs> wow. we have a fun relationship um when was is the last a strap on <laughs> what the fuck is we going on? on this podcast <laughs> welcome to hell <laughs> <laughs> yeah literally <laughs> when was the last time that you didn't feel like yourself uh, that I didn't feel like myself. That's, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I don't know what that means. When was the last time that you were like depressed or just you didn't feel good about yourself? Oh, I never feel good about myself. That's I, crazy. I just, uh, uh, Do you always feel like you're not good enough? I feel like I'm the laziest person in the world. Like, like I just took a month off. You just I, told me you didn't take a vacation in five years. I didn't take time off from work, but mm -hmm. so here's the thing. Mm -hmm. There's work and then there's, um, there's my goals. Uh. I, I want to make movies that win Oscars. That's my goal. Mm -hmm. I want to direct and write films that win Oscars. Mm -hmm. In order to do that, you have to write films mm -hmm. and you have to go out and try to raise money and get people attached yep. and all like that. Yep. I uh, I do write, but not as much as I should. Mm. I'm not doing the things I need to to achieve that goal. Mm -hmm. I'm lazy. Now, these shows like Real Housewives of Dallas, sure, Bravo calls me. Would you please do this show? Uh, some people will be like, wow, that's amazing success. They call you it's and ask you to. But it's not what I want to be doing. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I do enjoy my job. I like it. But that, to me, is more of like I'm in the field but in a day job and my ultimate goal like be Quentin Tarantino or mm -hmm. Woody Allen without the pedophilia or <laughs> or the Comb brothers you know mm -hmm. and what am I doing to help that happen mm -hmm. and I do some things but I really believe I could have already made a movie if I wasn't so fucking lazy like mm -hmm. it's all in your hand mm -hmm. so I'm constantly sitting on the couch watching Law and Order in my underwear stuffing my face mm -hmm. high and mm -hmm. going I should really be writing or doing <laughs> something so I'm always sort of feel like I'm such a 
uh, it's a, I'm such a poser. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, like you're like, oh, he's so successful. He's going to do this show mm -hmm. and that show and that. But I'm not doing what I need to be doing to be getting where I want to be. So I am down on myself, mm -hmm. but I live with it, you know? Wow. It's a crazy perspective. But I feel like also when you're really ready, you are going to like immerse yourself in the writing of a film. Like I feel like you're still doing other work things that you need to do. And then when the timing is right, like I feel like creatively you can't force yourself to write that thing when you're not feeling inspired. But no, but that if you ask every writer, uh -huh. that's They're the like, opposite of what they say. They say write every night whether you like it or yeah, not. Yeah, like there's and, no such thing as writer's block. You right. gotta go through it. So I've written scripts. I mm -hmm. have scripts and things like that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and my agent, there's one now that yeah. might be getting some traction. But I've been through this many times mm -hmm. and I feel I'm not doing enough. I'm never doing enough. But everybody, I think, is never doing like. Mm -hmm. You're not spending your whole day on your career. Mm -hmm. You have other things you do and you have to. But yet I just feel like I see other friends of mine directing huge movies and doing, I'm like, oh, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. uh, my, uh, my, sorry, I just, man, I'm talking a lot. <laughs> my, uh, my wife's cousin came over like a couple of years ago. She mm -hmm. came over to our house, like just in general. And she looked at me. Uh, at dinner and she said um how's it feel to be so successful and that's the first time ever like I was like are you crazy I'm not successful at all because I'm nowhere near the goals I mm -hmm. set for myself mm -hmm. but that was the first time I was like oh you know what I guess I am I guess I really am look mm -hmm. at this I did and that so I say it's like a car I'm looking out the windshield, like, look how far away my mm -hmm. goal is. But when I look in the rear view, I'm like, oh, I did a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, okay. But that's ultimately what makes you successful because even though you're saying you're lazy, what you're trying to accomplish is so lofty. Like, you're like, I want to be Woody Allen. Where most people would never even try for that. Right. So the fact that you, that's your goal that people don't even know about and you're, you've, you're missing it so far, yeah, you're falling on, like, <laughs> winning, like, Emmy-nominated directing and, like, the top shows on Bravo and reality TV. So I think that like little insecurity and that nagging feeling of not feeling good enough is what ultimately will make you accomplish your dreams. Sure. Yes. <laughs> Which sucks <laughs> because if you're just like content and right. the kind of person that really doesn't have any lofty goals, I mean, you're six, you're, you still might be way more happier than you are. <laughs> <laughs> sure, right. <laughs> so it depends on your level of su what success is in your life and what your goals are. But yeah, it's even like with me when I quit my marketing job. A lot of my friends were judging me. They're like, Hannah's not doing well. Like, she has an unpaid internship when she's 25. But in my head, like, I was like, this is the beginning of something big. Where right. they're like, oh, Hannah's a confused fuck up. <laughs> but in my head, I was very clear about, like, I didn't know how I was going to do it. But I was like, I want to be an entrepreneur and I want to get into video and I never thought I could ever be on TV but now that I'm on TV I'm like well I want a Netflix special and like so that now, hunger and insecurity is what I think ultimately makes people accomplish crazy things. And now that those same friends who are like, you're a loser and you're oh, are they, like, they want Hannah, coffee. Hannah is my best friend. You know, Hannah from summer house. She's my best friend. These people that would like be so like not good friends are now like, Oh my God, we need to catch up. And I'm like, that's the last thing I'd ever want to do is catch. And what do you want to do? Catch up just to tell people like, Oh yeah, I hung out with Hannah. I'm like, that's a waste of my time. And it pisses me off. My, my closest friend from like high school, like, times 
he w always wanted to be in this business, mm -hmm. but he didn't do that. Mm -hmm. uh, he did something else that was safer and secure, yeah. and I went for it. Mm -hmm. And at first, I was a struggling comic, so he's working, making money, and yeah. I'm like yeah. making nothing and going out every night. And he's like, what a loser. Uh, I'm about to start a Netflix show uh, next week, whatever. Congratulations. I, I go to L.A., I hear it's lit there, <laughs> um, but uh, anyway. You come back with lip injections. <laughs> it's fire. It's dope. Uh, yeah. Say dope. No, just because of all the fire yeah, going I get it. on. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, bad pun. I'm Carl. Um, anyway, so um, I. Uh, so now I'm about to do this Netflix show and whatever. I've been talking to Netflix and he, like, we keep in touch and mm -hmm. he's like, I have like five great ideas for Netflix. Can you introduce me? And I'm like, no, I can't. That's insane. Like, but it's also hard to tell people no. I have trouble telling people no. Like, I have people reach out to me who are like, hey, I know you know this person, they have a big podcast. Like, can I be on their podcast? And I like, I just don't respond because I don't know how to be like, Dude, I can't. Like, right. my relationship with them is like friends and like trust, and I just have random people that I start trying to get in with them. Like, that fucks up my relationship. Yeah, with them. of course. Imagine me asking you to be on your po oh wait. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but it's like imagine me or your friend saying to you, yeah. "You're on Summer House. Get me on." Get I me on so Summer House. Right. It's like, get you on Summer House. Like, I, I barely get on Summer like, I mean, I, and I deal with friends who behind my back tell, like, random people they think are connected, like, yeah, me, I'm really good friends with Hannah, and, like, I'd be great on Summer House, and they never even tell me that they want to be on it. So, like, I've dealt with some sketchy shit. Ske but you, you see who people really are, but... Ugh, anyway, <laughs> also, but I also would say to this, like, if you're that person who didn't go for your dreams and you're watching someone else do it, like, there's no time frame. Like, even I think I've been my mom, you know, she grew in that generation where, like, you go into corporate America or, like, she became a teacher and she had me and she went up the ranks and she's now, like, one of the top principals in Brooklyn and she's about to retire and she's like, I think I want to get into jazz singing. And I'm like, why? And she's like, because I always wanted to be a jazz singer, but my brother wasn't acting and I wanted to show my parents that I could get like a stable job. And like, I mean, my grandma's now like trying to be Instagram famous. <laughs> she was, she, you never know what you can do later in life. Sure, but this should be a lesson <laughs> to everyone listening yeah. that a lot of people put their dreams on hold yep. for whatever their reason, mm -hmm. like go for it. Mm -hmm. Or you don't want in 20 years to be regretting. I never did jazz singing or yeah. I never did like go for it. There's nothing stopping you. Yeah. And I also think the one reason I didn't immediately go into like video or editing, I wanted to do sports broadcasting originally was I was like, I don't think I can make money in it. And I wanted to be in New York city. And then when I quit my job, I was like, I don't even know how do I make money in video. But then deep down, I was like, we, you figure it out. Like, you figure it out in the beginning. And then I think when you're really passionate in something, this is also, like, my thing with money is I've never put it on a pedestal. I'm like, money comes, money goes. Like, I just want to have a studio apartment with my cat. I just want a better <laughs> life for my cat. But it, when you think about it like that, the money comes naturally, I feel like, when you're really passionate about what you're doing and when you... If you love what you do and you work a little butt off. Sure. If you love what you do, you'll make money. Like if you really love it and you, you know, I mean, there are the odd examples of the people who just are not self-aware mm -hmm. and maybe not as talented as they think or mm -hmm. not. As, and the, those are the 
those are the ones that make everyone else pause and go, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be Michael and maybe Scott they're not, or whatever. Yeah, and maybe they're not in alignment with what they really should be doing. Correct. they're like lying to themselves. Yes, but overall... Uh, if you just go for it and keep going, you're going to be fine. Like that will, it you'll figure it out. Like even me, I'm not where I want to be, but I have a career. Yeah. Like, it's not like you do. Okay. It's all or nothing. Like, do you know what I mean? A hundred percent. It's not like yeah, you're Woody Allen or you're a nothing. horrible failure exactly. never to make money. I like, also, I've been living very like not results oriented. And when I'm less results oriented, you get less like nervous about things or like putting things on a pedestal. If you're just like, okay, I'm going to try to create the best content I can today instead of being like, why have I not gotten a call for a spinoff? You know, instead right. you're just like, what can I do today? And it's yes. hard to get in that place. Oh, it's really hard. It's hard, but, but I think I was so miserable with tennis where every weekend was like, what is my ranking? So I'm trying to enjoy life where I don't have a ranking. Sure. And I'm just like existing. Right. I, there's two pieces of advice I just Oh, yes. Give. No, please. Two please. pieces of advice that I give everybody. <laughs> yes. Everything you ever wanted is outside your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And uh, you do the thing you're most afraid of and the courage comes after. Yes. Courage is the act of doing the thing you're afraid to do, not the the idea of not feeling afraid. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Courage is doing the thing when you're afraid, not not feeling afraid. I love that so much because I always say, like, don't ever take a job you're fully qualified for. Like, you'll figure it out after. That's my whole life. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what you were saying before. I was like, that's what you should do because you will figure it out. And yeah, if it's something that you don't have, it means like whatever pattern you're doing that is your comfort isn't working. So if you want a different result, you have to change your behavior. I once pitched a show to VH1 uh -huh. and they were like, yes, we want to do it. Uh -huh. And I w went home and I said to my wife, I can't make that show. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would be like, it's going to be like curb your enthusiasm. Yeah. It's going to be, and they're like, great, let's do it. And I was like, oh boy, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> but then you just go and you do what you can. Nikki Glaser actually said something great on this podcast, which I loved because she was like, I saw. I love Nikki Glaser. Yeah, I Hopefully. Know you amazingly talented comedian great person and she was basically like i have imposter syndrome a lot of the time but my her therapist told her something that like nick forever in the future will never have it again where they basically were like you think give people some credit like that they're smart enough to know who you are like you're not tricking everyone <laughs> right like give people some credit you're not that good at tricking them that you're this like great comedian and I think that really resonated with me as and it's like believe what is happening just believe it every every meeting I go into with the network because yeah. you have to meet with the network before you take the show or yeah. whatever uh, and they ask me about myself. I'm like, I, I'm always nervous. And they go, why are you so nervous? And I go, you're, I feel like you're going to realize I'm a fraud and I <laughs> suck and you're going to fire me. And they go, you wouldn't be in the door if you're a fraud. But that's my, that was always yeah, it's my like, default. Give them more credit. You think you're that good at tricking them that you're <laughs> right. some incredibly talented thing. Like you're, you're not some magician, you know? I love that advice. I think it's great. All right, cool. It's time to play The Seven Deadly Sins. Seven Deadly Sins. What are you greedy about? 
I'm I I get greedy about uh, shows I want mm-hmm. like that. Like if I could, you get hungry. Yeah, I don't know if it's greedy, but I'll take. Yeah, I'm greedy. Like I want all the good jobs. Yeah, <laughs> I just want all the good jobs, and uh, and uh, I guess that's what I'm greedy about. Uh-huh. I don't know if that makes sense, but no, I see that too. Well, it's even like a stand-up comic. It's like. You want to do all the good sets that night. You don't just want to have one. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Who are you envious of? Who are my envious Besides of? Besides me. <laughs> well, uh, aside from you, I don't can't think of... Um, and Carl. I mean, I think like... I mean, this all sounds stupid, but yeah. like, uh, you know, the Coen brothers, Quentin uh-huh. Tarantino, people who can just go make movies, which is also, I'm sure, a lie. Mm-hmm. Like, those guys also have to fight to make their movies, mm-hmm. but, you know, Woody Allen, Coen brothers, I just wish I could make a movie a year, mm-hmm. maybe be up for an Oscar, and mm-hmm. just go about my business. And I think when you're, like, really ready to, you will. I uh, yeah. Maybe, or I'm just too lazy. You're not lazy. <laughs> I think I think you still have more work that you're doing in this stuff, and I mean, my thing is like now I, I decided I want to start pursuing more stand-up comedy. I'm more ready now mentally. Like I did a couple more things that helped me feel ready. I like some relationships that I had to mend, or some like there's just life positioning that like sometimes it's timing you're right like even in my career now if i started show running at 25 yeah there's no way i'd be as proficient as i am now just i wouldn't have the wisdom or knowledge Mm -hmm. but i think you're terrific you know that i tell you you. i think you you will attain all the things that you want because thank you and you seem fearless to me which is ian's also my psychic so (laughs) (laughs) what are you gluttonous about uh i mean food oh yeah you what are your you love milkshakes yeah uh, i'm just so bad the sweets and <laughs> and eating well and getting high does not help it's uh i i bury my feelings it's of ad- ad- adequacy and not doing those things as i told you like i should write more i should you know what but instead i'm just gonna sh- shovel shit into my mouth <laughs> and during during those five minutes of finishing the whole oreo box it is nice. <laughs> no, not then. When you start. <laughs> when you start. Uh, and you're just like, oh, one more. Yeah. Uh, one more. Uh, then at the end, you're like, what the fuck did I do? Oh, I'm such a loser. I, I was joking with you earlier how I, during our summer house dinners, like I, we're a little drunk and it's always like pretty late at night and I like to eat at like 6 p.m. So it's like 9 p.m. I'm hungry and then people start fighting and it's like I could either get into this fight or look at this beautiful piece of calamari that I can just eat and in that moment of bliss I can forget all the drama around me and like so many scenes I'm just in the background stuffing my face. But I said I love that about you because everybody else on that show uh, female is like picking at their salad and you're just shoveling shit into your face and i'm watching at the monitor and i'm loving it because it's just i'm fully prioritizing like looking at the table and i'm like how do i get to that burrata <laughs> even though Lindsay has a full knife about to stab carl above it excuse me are can you gonna I, finish that can i borrow that knife for a second i just want to get a little piece of it so many times i'm like can't think about the conversation because i'm like is no one touching those nachos <laughs> But yeah, it makes for good B-roll. Um, when was the last time you experienced extreme wrath? I don't think I've ever seen you like angry. 
Um, extreme wrath. Uh, so there are two people in this industry mm -hmm. who I think are horrible at mm -hmm. their jobs, mm -hmm. and I've had to work with them mm -hmm. uh, in, in my experience mm -hmm. or whatever. And so the last time, uh, about uh, 14 months ago mm -hmm. or a little bit around then, um, there's a, uh, a show I did for Comedy Central, mm -hmm. very proud of it, mm -hmm. and then I was going to show run it, but uh, I didn't see eye to eye with some people, mm -hmm. not at the network, but at the production company, so someone there really got me going. But really, I believe wrath is an extension of ego. Yeah. Like, uh, and I try not to have it. I love, like, I have a huge ego, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. I try to keep it under wraps mm -hmm. and tell Well, everyone has an ego. I think you have an ego because if it was really huge, you wouldn't be able to control it as well as you do. Well, like, with compliments, like, you'll give me compliments. I fucking eat that shit up. Mm -hmm. It's so bad. It's so <laughs> bad. Like, I shouldn't, like, whatever. But it is part of who I am. But when I, so most of the time I can keep the ego in check. But mm -hmm. when I feel someone's not not good at their job and then mm -hmm. telling me I'm not good at my job yep. and giving me that's when my ego I guess it's a defensive move of mm -hmm. like hey what the fuck I did this show and that show number one show number one show mm -hmm. there and this and that and you've done nothing mm -hmm. and you're going to tell me that I'm approaching this wrong and the network's loving it and the yeah. you know and that's where and at your level in the industry you're dealing with a lot of egos so it makes sense that you have at least a couple people that you're like not cool with uh, it's so bad it's, but it happened to me like when I was in social media creating videos and stuff there's the politics start happening the egos start happening like I started to get some followers following and shit blew up in my former job and that was actually the last time I well I lost on Summer House a couple of times but like I lost it in a job because I felt misunderstood of like the, the work that I was bringing in for the company versus other people yeah um, so, I, so I understand so I had a lot of wrath and then I had a meeting and it was like the red wedding of meetings oh my gosh uh, and they just stabbed me to death in that meeting mm -hmm. uh, but I whatever I was fine I and was just you're like, fine but then you spend the next year like every time you're in the shower like recreating the arguments that you could have had <laughs> and the words you could have said that's what I do at least I I, uh, I I, I am pretty good in the moment now. I used to think yeah, back, I oh, I should have Because when I'm angry, I'm just like, I don't like your face. <laughs> but nowadays, even in that meeting, mm -hmm. I would just say, look, I don't want to work with you ever again. So mm -hmm. don't, it's not even worth it. Yeah. You know, like I'll, I'll stick up for myself. But I had wrath because of that. And, yep. and I really, I hate that. I wish I didn't. I wish in those moments I could still be like, all right, we don't see. I Did you ever like, get angry on Summer House? this season uh yeah yeah i i mean i don't really i mean you don't show it yeah I, I wouldn't say angry mm -hmm. like i'll get frustration yeah a little bit frustrated uh with some of my team mm -hmm. or like they'll argue and i'll be like really like come on can we just work you know you're, you're basically the head camp counselor yes yes <laughs> i'm a dad we're everybody. the kids the producers are like the camp counselors and then you're like the head <laughs> Uh, Hannah, do you want to go in the pool? <laughs> yeah, I know. When was the last time you were a sloth? Oh, every day. I've been <laughs> off a month. I'm telling you, underwear, couch, computer, <laughs> amazing. raging about Trump or something, <laughs> and then fucking watching Law and Order on WeTV mm -hmm. 24-7. Oh, like, it sounds uh, amazing. I need a little bit of that every week or I'm off kilter. 
Yeah. Like I feel just worn out if I don't have time alone. Just like, I mean, that's why I love reality TV. Reality TV like really calms my brain in a way that sometimes you don't want to watch a show that's like succession or like, like getting in deep plot lines. Like I just want to hear people talk about like now they're not over their ex-boyfriend and, and relate to it. <laughs> you you have you have to watch the second half. Have you been watching Dallas or no? So Dallas, I started. Yeah, tell us about Dallas. You have to watch the second half. Of yeah, that. I mean, it just it's incredible. It's really I can't believe what happened and the way things unfolded. Yeah. Uh, and the thing you should know about Bravo is th- these stories really unfold. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I don't tell them to do anything. I mm-hmm. just, my job is just to keep them honest, mm-hmm. make sure that they are, are uh, making decisions. So story moves forward. Mm-hmm. And instead of just saying, I, I don't want to deal with it, yep. like making them. And that's deal. why I love reality TV. Cause so many times in your life, you just decide, I don't want to deal with it. And, you know, being someone on reality TV, you're forced to deal with a lot of, you know, issues or confrontations or questions about yourself that you would have put off if you weren't on the show. Sure. It's intensive therapy. Most people at the end of these seasons are like, oh, my God, I grew so much. Mm -hmm. I learned so much about myself. Uh, And Bravo specifically, those shows are pretty real like they're they're really it's so cool to see people over seasons too because i had just i've just done one season but to see how someone's grown from like season one to season five yes sometimes incredible and how their lives have changed and yeah it's it's amazing but other reality shows like pickers that's Mm -hmm. a very formatted show Uh, that's a real show too then there are shows that are soft scripted Mm -hmm. or what so there's all different types but Mm -hmm. bravo really i'll give them credit they keep it at at least in my experience we keep it as real as possible 100 percent. when was the last time you let your pride get in the way of something (laughs) like i really worked so hard to not let my ego Mm -hmm. really feel itself if that makes sense like it would i'd be intolerable like it's hard like you meet people with big egos it's horrible like they think they're great and they're this and that Mm -hmm. and so i i my whole day is is but then it's hard when you have to sell yourself and be like i'm fucking great when a lot of the time you're like trying to you know just focus on your but this is the thing this is really funny Mm -hmm. i I don't do that. Mm-hmm. Like when I go meet with a production company or a network, I don't say I'm great. I mm-hmm. say I don't think I'm good. Mm-hmm. I, I like I like I said, I feel like I'm a fraud in here and all. And yeah, you're like the hot guy who doesn't know he's hot. It's everyone <laughs> sure, wants him. I'll take that <laughs> analogy. But uh, no, but but I really I really stand like. And I think that's why I get almost every job I go for, I mm-hmm. get it. And I think because they realize, oh, he'll be easy to work with because mm-hmm. he doesn't. He's not a monster. He's not like, oh, I know this and this. We have to do this. I, I give my opinion. I think this is how I'd approach it. But what do I know? I'm a moron. And they yeah. laugh and they go, great, let's do it. Well, you're a people person. And I think from so many parts of your career, from stand up to being a leader to pitching shows, when you're a people person, things just work better yes. and people person doesn't mean you have to be like mr social butterfly like no. clearly you like to smoke weed and watch law and order without talking to anyone for hours yes but it's like when you deal with people be empathetic listen and like don't be an asshole yeah just be <laughs> and and also 
collaboration. Mm-hmm. I want other people's oh, yeah. input. I'm a moron. Oh, I, I need everybody's so input. I, yeah. you know, and recognizing good ideas and also not taking credit for good ideas. Yes. Like whenever I'm on a network call and someone had an idea, I go, Oh, what if we sent them here or mm-hmm. something? And, and then the network will be like, that's brilliant. And I'll be like, Oh, that was Mary's idea. Mm-hmm. That was Wesley's idea. That was the PA's idea. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't need to accept the oh. thing, you know. And in this industry, so many people just want to look as good as possible, but that's also their own insecurities. But it kills you later. It's bad karma. And your team is going to hate you. Yep. Like, and all, uh, and it, what's funny is I get the credit anyway, because mm-hmm. what happens is, is the network's like, Oh, wow. The PA thought of that, but mm-hmm. it was you who recognized it was a good idea and yeah. told us on the phone. It's true. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's but true. he thought of it. And yeah. That was a great but idea. But that's what collaborating is. Yes. So is, is enabling people to be, cre- even the fact that the PA could think that they could, could tell me, you yes, it yes. takes a good leader. Oh, we're going full circle. Um, <laughs> final question. When was the last time you lusted over someone? Oh, boy. Who's your celebrity crush? I don't want to get in trouble (laughs) with uh, my wife. Um, The last time when we sat down here. um, Let's see. Who's my celebrity crush? Uh, I have a couple of people. I mean, when I was younger, uh, I was in love with Elizabeth Shue after Karate Kid. Oh, yeah. Um, I was like, I was uh, like head over heels for her. I wrote her a letter and everything. <laughs> I think I was 14 or something. Um, and then, um, uh, I don't know, now, I, I uh, Anna Kendrick, uh-huh. um, Mila Kunis, mm-hmm. uh, whatever, the yeah. usual suspects, yeah. you know, um, uh, I don't know, but who who do I? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I guess I don't get super lustful. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Charlie Theron. Oh that, yeah, that, oh yeah, uh, she's gorgeous uh, and very talented. Yes. So this is the final question that I like to ask everyone. I'm burning in hell. I don't want this to end. I'm having fun. You're having fun. <laughs> I know. I can tell. You're starting to divulge some good info. And I thought did, I was going to cry. Yet. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I want, but I, I actually never, no one cries. Some people, mm, I cry to myself sometimes. Um, <laughs> what do you ultimately do to cope with your hell? Like what advice would you give to people who are going through hell right now? Uh, you know, uh, so for me, right. But this is an interesting question also, but for me, mm-hmm. I'm always, I just through life experience, I know it gets better. Mm-hmm. It always gets better. Mm-hmm. It's like cyclical yep. and, and I, I have time, but the older I get, the less times I feel I'm in hell. Like mm-hmm. they, like I, I just know it works out. Yeah. And that's my approach. Also like on summer house or something like, mm-hmm. Oh, this restaurant decided they don't want us coming mm-hmm. after everyone wanted to go there and this and that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, we'll figure it out. Like yeah. we'll find another place. Like it's, you have the confidence in the universe that like things will not go to complete shit all the time bird's eye view Mm -hmm. like just like there are people starving in africa Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm gonna complain about Mm -hmm. my life like Mm -hmm. am i a moron Mm -hmm. but i also realize like my daughter gets depressed sometimes Mm -hmm. and even though in for me it's a very easy like oh just tell yourself like look how great you have it you Mm -hmm. have all this stuff and things are good Mm -hmm. but some people struggle with that 
kind of hell and depression mm -hmm. that and it could be innate it could be a, a chemical. chemical thing so i feel like i'm trivial trivializing it by mm -hmm. going like oh just look at the bigger picture everything's really okay mm -hmm. some people they don't feel that way yeah. But for me, what helps me is always like, look, I got it so good. I got mm -hmm. it so good. People pay me to do things I love to do. Mm -hmm. I get to work with amazing people. I love almost every cast I've worked with. A mm -hmm. um, couple of Except exceptions. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, like I, I love you mm -hmm. and, and Paige and... and uh, now you have to name everyone because you started. <laughs> I don't know if I remember everyone. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, but, uh, like, I love you guys, like, uh, you know, and, uh, uh, like, I get paid to fucking make TV every day. I yeah. mean, like, uh, no one has it And I also think if me. you're sitting there and you're like, well, I'm depressed because I'm not doing all these things I want to do, it's like, okay, so start with a list. What do you have to do to start going towards your goal if that's what is giving you, you know, some darkness or something right now? Were you ever, uh, do you, I don't know, have you ever had like an addictive personality? Like, are you addicted? I to love, I love dating addicts. I've dated addicts since I was 18. Right, but Every you don't have a, an addiction I've problem never smoked of any way. I've like never smoked a cigarette in my life. I have that weird thing where I'm like afraid like if I got one tattoo I'd get a sleeve but like instead I've done nothing like I'm very good <laughs> I've done, I don't, like I don't have a yeah drinking I'm not really addictive eating like I'm can be emotional eater but I'm not addictive I don't have an addictive personality but I have can have an obsessive personality so I used to like gambling yeah and there's that the idea of like okay I'm never gonna gamble again yeah. like you know you, yeah. you tell yourself it's this, a hundred or nothing but deep in your heart you're, you're like, like it's gonna be fucking good when I do it I'll never keep to that like that's ridiculous and and I, I I'm not a gambling addict anymore yeah. like I'll go play poker I love poker mm -hmm. I play I'll go to Vegas and play but I, I won't do it to excess mm -hmm. anymore but uh, I forget why we were talking about this, but the idea of uh, starting with a list. You're like, start yeah. with your list and yeah. all. And I always go, yeah, yeah, but then I know I have to do the work, mm -hmm. which would be writing or mm -hmm. going outside and mm -hmm. doing getting off the couch mm -hmm. while instead of watching Law & Order. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't even want to make the list because mm -hmm. then I have to go do it. Like, that's how lazy but what I, I But what am. I love about lists, <laughs> instead of being like, okay, now start working toward it, is lists. Like, the first list could, on my list, I'll be like, email so-and-so this question like start with the smallest thing and then you get a little positive feedback and then like you that's why sometimes list and then you even cross off that little thing and you feel a little accomplished <laughs> so that's how i i think lists are like amazing i love a list i, I have mean, a bazillion lists, lists on my phone i know you're right i know you're <laughs> right but it's like once i start making the list now i have to go do that shit and it's like i'm, and I'm saying i'm just saying if, if that's sloth what, baby sloth, sloth i love they're adorable <laughs> Lots are adorable. Um, so, Ian, I want to thank you so much for coming on. This has been such a pleasure for me, and I'm honored for you to even want to come on my podcast. Oh, whatever. <laughs> I, I forced you. Just, um, so, just so everyone knows, I, I asked her a million times, when am I coming on? It's, that's my ego. I thought you, you were pride. But I thought pride you were joking right in now. the beginning. I really did. No, no. in the beginning, I thought, well, how's she going to get anyone? Yeah. I got to help her. Yeah. And then now... <laughs> I was like, wait, the train left we'll without me. We'll get 50 me. Cent 
later on. He just doesn't know it yet. Um, but what shows are currently out that you've worked on? People should definitely watch Dallas. Well, Dallas now is heating up. It yeah. gets really good. Yeah. And they go on a great trip to Thailand uh-huh. and a lot, of, a lot of craziness. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't even watch these types of shows, uh-huh. but it's really good. Yeah. Um, Let's see, and uh, March 1st, uh, I think it's who oh, I maybe I'm not supposed to say yet, but yeah, I have another Bravo show cool. uh, that's uh, called Family Karma coming out. Uh-huh. And in January, I have another Bravo show coming out. Mm-hmm. And then I'm starting on this Netflix show. I, I don't, I guess, whatever. You're such a lazy piece <laughs> of shit. Anyway, um, do you want people to follow you on Instagram? Uh, sure. It's it's on private. <laughs> You're an influencer. <laughs> Ian likes to make fun of all of us. It'll be like swipe up. Um, it, it's influencing people not to use Instagram <laughs> anymore. Like, ugh, look at this. I mean, I get. I put some cool pictures. I have you a do. picture of me and you on there. Yes. A picture of me and fifty. Yes. Me and uh, what's your handle? Uh, it's the worst. <laughs> oh my god. So uh, so uh, just. Uh, caveat here i i couldn't find anything by the time i made an instagram yeah. with my name that so i always had this default i a n s g r eight the mm-hmm. number eight so mm-hmm. ian's great mm-hmm. it's it's so not how i am as a person so i hate <laughs> well that. it's ironic i think yeah. it's funny because it's ironic so uh whatever i a n s g r eight but your, it's your private. instagram bio underneath should be like just kidding i don't think i'm great period or something like that <laughs> oh maybe i should yeah, do that fun. if i ever figure out how i'll to, be your social media consultant you're gonna have we'll to take show your career me the next how level. to make that happen I'm, i don't even know how i write on <laughs> Um, well, thank you much for so much for coming on. Um, also, guys, I just started a Patreon. If you want to see some solo episodes, some bonus episodes, I spill some dirt that's more personal to me that I don't talk about on this podcast. Not that I don't love you guys, but I love some of you more, especially if you pay five bucks. Um, it's less than a Starbucks. It's basically the hot chocolate that Ian made me get. I judged him for getting hot chocolate, but whatever. He's a little weirdo, um, and I love hot chocolate, so I can't judge it. Um, and yeah, I'll talk to you guys later in hell. What, what is that? Patreon? Patreon is this cool thing where people pay five bucks a month and they get like a bunch of bonus content. Like, like, is it, but it's audio? Is it video? I could do video. I could do audio. I might have like some blooper reels. I'll have solo episodes when summer house comes out. If it comes out, I will get, um, I'll like (laughs) be able to say like my opinions of what's going on. And like, it's just nice to have a, a paywall sometimes because sometimes like I don't want some stuff being so easily like sent around. What's your favorite thing that's now like that? I, if I paid five bucks, Mm -hmm. what is something you'd be like, you know what you love this particular thing? So I just started it last week and I'm going to do my first episode, but I'm going to talk about, I don't want to get in trouble, but I want to talk about, I never really talk about my firing. Like when I got fired and everyone wants to know about it. So I'm uh, gonna give like a li- I'm gonna give some dirt on it because I feel like if people if people spend each week like hearing me talk and I don't know why they do but they do so it's like I want to have them understand me more right and I want I don't want it to be on this public episode where people are like we don't care about your stuff interview your person so for people who do want to hear about my stuff I have a place for them um also I I love giving advice and stuff my um. Unpre- very unprofessional advice. When people ask me questions, I could talk about my relationships too, like where I am with stuff and dating. I that I don't you. feel like it's a perfect space for burning in hell in the public, but it's like... 
Well, with Burning in Hell, by the time I heard your fourth episode, I was Uh like, she's got a podcast here. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I'm making fun of you. That's inside joke. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I'll talk to you guys later in hell. Goodbye. Bye. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.